Uh, let's jump into Galatians. I've been doing a study at home uh, with a guy named Matt Chandler. It's from the Village Church. Uh, I've mentioned that uh, every week that you can find that online if you'd like. Uh, and it's been really good for me. And, I, and a lot of stuff that we we're learning, I just get a chance to share it with you as well. And, and Galatians, just for those, you might be just jumping in now. And you're like, what? We were studying something? It's been, uh, we've been studying since January 1st. And I'll catch you up real quick uh, from January 1st to now. Is that the, the book of Galatians is just a real simple study uh, explaining what the good news, what the gospel is. What is the good news of, of Jesus Christ? Do we know it as believers? It's really repetitive, which is kind of good because even uh, as, as uh, kids, it really helps, you know, when they're younger to kind of repeat things so that, especially the boys, because they're going to grow up to be men who need to hear everything twice, but the, uh, even as kids, it helps that they keep hearing something over and over because then they, they finally get it, you know, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. Hey, would you clean your room? And then, oh yeah, I got to clean my room. All right, that's what I was doing. Same thing here. Paul says, hey, you know, you big kids, uh, I'm just going to keep teaching you what the good news is. This is what it is. This is what it is. This is what it is. And if you've been with us since January 1st, my hope and prayer is that you would know what it is. Do you know what the good news? Ask yourself a quick question. Do I know what the good news is? I was driving with a couple guys yesterday and asked them the question. I said, could you tell me in one sentence what Christianity is really all about? And they're like, ah, uh, God. I was like, good start. You know, that's uh, Jesus, you know, uh, but that, but that thought of being able to just put into words what the gospel is. What is the good news? And so we kind of asked uh, questions back and forth, and we were able to, to get out in a nutshell what the good news is. But I, but I realized something. My job here is to equip you, to equip you to do ministry, to equip you to share the gospel with people. And, you know, the, the, when you're meeting um, other people uh, who don't know the Lord, they're not going to be like me and be able to help you along. Okay, now, well, now you should ask this question, and now you should, you know, ask this question and, and a leading conversation. You got to know it. You got to have that, that hope on, on the inside. And that's my question is, do you, do you know what the gospel is? Uh, the gospel in its simplest form is that, that God loves us. He loves us, gave his life for us to set us free from a punishment we deserved. He took something he didn't deserve to pay for punishment that we deserve. And in that, we can live uh, a life of freedom. And it's freedom. What is freedom? Freedom is uh, the chance to know Christ, the chance to know God. We, we realize the gospel sets us free from a bunch of things. The real good news sets people free. It sets them free from, um, from sin, uh, the power of sin. You don't have to choose to sin uh, anymore. It becomes your choice. God gives you the strength and the insight to, to stand against those, uh, those things. Get, he gives you freedom from being your own God because the truth is you make a lousy one. You know, when you're trying to determine your happiness, it doesn't usually end up real well for you. Uh, not for me anyways. It, it, the gospel frees you from the, the bondage of rules and legalism. The gospel really, the good news, actually frees you from having to go to church on Sunday as a habit. The gospel frees you from trying to be a good person, to be a better person. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. So he's saying, you know, he's not really concerned about all your behaviors or all the things you're trying to clean up. Maybe you went to church your whole life and it was always do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. It wasn't really his main point because you could get all of that done and still miss the whole point of what the gospel is. He said he set us free uh, from uh, following those rules, free from legalism, but he set us free to something, to do something. And that freedom uh, is to follow Christ and to have relationship with him. That's stinking amazing. We've been set free to have relationship with the God of the universe. That's why we've been set free. And if we don't have that, if you don't have relationship with God, then everything else surrounding it, going to church, being becoming a better person, dealing with some of your habits and stuff, is not actually uh, of any value at all. 
And Paul's saying that to the Galatian church. He says, hey, don't get away from the simplicity to where you started. It was just you and Jesus. Don't change that. You know, it's not, it's not something where it's like, okay, yeah, it's me and Jesus, but, but no tattoos. You know, that's uh, me and Jesus, no tattoos. Or me and Jesus and no swearing. You know, I got to curb this swearing thing. You know, or it's me and Jesus and no drinking. You know, and that, you just pass that on to everyone else. Well, they can't be a Christian if they still swigging one back. You know, that, that didn't take, right? That, that's, that's what... Uh, that's not what the gospel is. And the gospel is not saying, you know, we're going to try and add stuff to them. You know, I'm gonna, it's me and Jesus, but I'm going to have regular church attendance. You know, as long as I'm in church, you know, and, and if I'm really bad that week, I'm going to go Saturday and Sunday because then, uh, you know, at least I'm making up. Or, you know, it's um, uh, going to church or uh, being with, like having a relationship with Jesus and, you know, giving in the offering or, or something. There's always this thought of if I'm doing something else to, to make sure I'm good with God. He says, you're good with him because of what Jesus did. And that's the, that is the goodness of the gospel because we could not do it on our own. For, um, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 is, is probably the, the, just the key verse of the whole book. And it says this, it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. So don't get trapped again. Don't go back to that old way of life. Live in freedom. He, he set you free just so you could be free. And, and for those who don't quite understand what freedom is, it doesn't sound like that good of a deal. But I can tell you that freedom is an, is an absolutely uh, amazing thing to have. And we're going to talk about that this morning. What are you free, free to be and how does that work in your real life? You know, a couple weeks ago we talked about the, well, for a couple weeks actually, we talked about the difference between the flesh and the spirit. That those things are warring inside of you. That the flesh says, hey, this is freedom. You do this, you're going to be free. You're going to have that joy. You're going to have that happiness. This is going to do it for you. Buy this, smoke that, sleep with her, and you're going to get there, right? That's going to be freedom. But you go down that road, and it never, never plays out that way to freedom. And that's the flesh fighting on the inside. But then the spirit says on the other side, hey, if you just set your mind on the spirit, set your mind on, on, on the things of God, he says he'll bring you freedom. And the whole deal is both of those are involved with one thing, training your mind on something. We talked about that, that a train runs on a track. So you've got to train a thought going in your head. That train of thought, you allow that to keep going in your head, it's going to take you to one of those two places. And we get to choose. So this morning, being really spiritual, it's just simply saying, God, I just set my focus on you. And to continue to do that, he'll do the rest in your life. You just watch that as it happens. It says that as you live with your mind, just focus on Holy Spirit. God, I just want to know you. That that's what you died for, then that's what I want. God, I just, a simple things. Lord, I want to know you. I just want to look to you today. Would you speak to, uh, through my life today? Would you direct my steps today? I, I, I want to the best of my ability for my life to be lived for you. And out of that, fruit grows in your life. All of a sudden, there's more love. There's a little bit more joy. There's more peace. There's more patience when your kids wake you up four times in the middle of the night, you know, at every other hour. It's, it's crazy. I used to freak. I used to be like, oh, Maddox, you know, you're great in the morning, but I'm going to strangle you at night, you know, uh, because I love sleep, which is a bad thing. But, you know, now I realize it's, it's not that anymore. Something's changing even on the inside of me and really practical things because of the gospel uh, the gospel, the good news. And I just want to pick it up here. Uh, Paul's been talking for the last half chapter of um, five, just that all this stuff is about relationships. It's not about your good behavior. He had said it uh, in, in verse 13. He's like, hey, don't, don't, as a church, don't bite and devour each other. Don't get into all, you know, after each other all the time. He ends chapter five um, with, uh, with verse 26 that just, again, brings it back to relationship. And, and right in between that was this whole flesh and spirit. How you, how you train your mind and train your thoughts affects the relationships in your life. Now, why is that important? 
Because relationships are everything to us. It's, it's why funerals are so difficult. Because, you know, it, it's what makes our lives uh, tick. It's the, the relationships around us. Some of them, it makes your life so much better. And some, for you, it makes your life so much worse. You're like, I would be so happy if there was no one else around me. You know, they're the ones who make my life miserable. But relationships is what the gospel is all about. And, and I would tell, I'd I like to, I guess, submit to you this morning that, that any a relationship uh, miss or dysfunction or something that's not working relationally, I, I would say that that's got to be somewhere... Uh, uh, that there's a misunderstanding of the good news. Either it's in you or it's in them, but somewhere the, the good news has been misunderstood. Because when, it, when the gospel is understood in your life, it changes the way all of your other relationships work. And here's why. Because the, the gospel was designed, the good news was designed to start the first relationship of you and God being made right. Right? Jesus came and said, okay, now you're right with God. When you're right with God, then you can be right with you. And if, you're, if you can be right with you, you can be right with other people. If you're not right with you, if you got inner turmoil gone in you because you don't, you're not right with God, then all of a sudden everyone else, the, the problems start to spin off into all of those other relationships and you're not, you, there's not a rightness with others. Here's, here's the thought. The gospel was meant to create identity in you. The good news to say, I am God's kid, was to be the identity that was all that you need. That he just pours out his love on your life and says, you know what, I've adopted you, I've forgiven you, and I love you unconditionally. You're my kid. It doesn't have to be anything other than that. The problem is when we don't see that, when we think, you know, I, I don't feel like God loves me, and our identity is not sold on that, then we try and find that identity in other people. And they can't do it. They can't, or maybe your job. Now it's like, everything is about my work. And here's what it looks like in your life. You'll work and work and work. And what will you do? You will sacrifice valuable relationships with, with your spouse and with your kids because of this thing that's giving you an identity. It feeds you, you know. It's, it's like, honey, you know, I got to work 15 hours a day because, you know, this, this is what makes me who I am. Man. I, I'm a man. The, the higher I go in this job, the better I feel about myself. You know, why can't you just be happy with all the stuff I buy you? You know, I, just let me do this. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe that's a thing of, you know, you feel like you're a better person because of who you married. And if they're not having a good day, you're not having a good day. It's not that you should be, you know, not liking them. We want you to love your spouse. We want you, but we don't want them to be God in your life. You know, or your kids to be the center of your universe. That everything revolves around, around them. That's, he says, you're, you'll, you'll get yourself so messed up trying to follow that line of thinking because they can never do it for you that you can never find identity in anything other than in Christ. What ends up happening if you, uh, if, you don't, if you don't really believe the gospel, if you don't really believe that God really loves you and really cares about you and you're his kid, you begin to compare yourselves with everybody else because you're trying to find out where you rate. You know, uh, you, you compare with their good and with their bad and with their spirituality. And most of the time what you do, you compare your good with their bad. Because that, that makes you feel a whole lot better about yourself. But the gospel sets you free from that. Because, you know, when you realize that you're God's kid, you don't have to be um, threatened by, you know, how good they are. It doesn't matter. Because your goodness is not related to how good they are. You're good because you're his kid. Your bad is swallowed up in the cross. It doesn't matter because he, he took care of that for you. And your spirituality you know, that's a sometimes where we compare ourselves. You don't have to be threatened by other people's being more spiritual than you because, you know, we'll see down, down as we look at this that, that the gospel just sets you free just to be you. You're the only you there's ever going to be. Amen. Thank goodness for some of that. 
That's, uh, you know, that's, you're the only you. So, so don't, uh, don't get in a spot where you're trying to compare yourself with others. If you don't find your righteousness, if you don't find your righteousness in Christ alone, and this is probably one of the scariest ones, you'll try to find righteousness in other things, like religious activity. You might be here this morning sitting in church because it makes you feel better about yourself. You know, I'm thinking, oh man, you know what, I've been a bad person. God will like me more if I'm sitting in church on Sunday morning. You'll find your, your righteousness in trying to do Christian things uh, that, that, that will never get there for you. You just got to realize, you know what, I'm righteous because he says I am. I'm righteous because he paid for all my sin because I couldn't do it. And the gospel sets you free that you don't have to do all of this surrounding stuff and miss out on what it was really all about. Doing everything, being in church every Sunday and not having a real relationship with God. The gospel sets you free from that. You know, it, it, the, the reason why this is an issue is because if we try and find our uh, righteousness in, in, in our ac- actions and activities, we become, uh, we, we begin to look at the world as being dirty. Right? It's because now it's like, you know, I want to stay unspotted from the world. I'm not going to do those things because, you know, my righteousness is in, in what I don't do. I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't chew, and I don't hang with the girls who do. You know, that's my, that's my, uh, thing. So I, I'm good. But what happens? What did God tell us? We're, we're to be people who love uh, the, those and to show the love of Christ to people, but we can't when we think they're dirty. And then what happens now? We've, we believed a gospel of rules and what we do and what we don't do. And what do we portray to them? When we share the truth and life with them, it comes out as, well, you can go to church and you should do this. And you, well, you got to really stop that swearing thing. You know, if you're going to come to Kingsway, make sure you do this. You know what? Don't, don't share the gospel with them. Just, just stop. You're making it difficult for the rest of us. Because unless you get this, unless you get that thing of my life is simply who I am, following and living with Jesus, and the rest of the stuff that he's working out in my life, he's working out in my life. But if you could just simply uh, get to the place of saying, Jesus, I, I, I want to follow you. I want that love in my life. And allow them to experience forgiveness a, a, as well as relationship with Jesus and the, the good news. He'll work out all that other stuff in their life as well and bring freedom to them. If you believe and live in the gospel, it'll affect every part of your life. It really will. My identity now is that I'm his kid. Mark Vanderweer exists to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, period. That is it. You know, I don't need to try and impress you guys. I don't need to try and impress anybody else, though that's probably been one of the strongest uh, uh, things in my life is that I wanted everybody to like me. I, I did. Today, I don't, you know, if you hate this message, it's not going to crush me anymore. You, you know, you can probably tell me, and few did last night. That's all right. I forgive you already. But uh, it's not going to crush me. It's not going to be like, oh, no, what am I going to do? They don't, they don't like me. I, I might get annoyed sometimes that I wasn't able to get through to you. You know, it's like, oh, man, wasted a Sunday because they didn't get nothing. You know, that, that part might bug me. But it's not going to be like, oh, my, my life is over. But my life used to be wrapped up in that kind of thing. I wanted everybody to like me. I wanted everybody to be happy. And when that's the case, nobody's happy. I'm not. They're not. It's just miserable. And if that's you, you know, I, I challenge you, you can be free from that by just believing the gospel, letting it sink into your life. My, a thought it would be this, keep planting the seeds of the good news in your heart and watch freedom grow there. Keep planting the seeds of the gospel in your heart and watch freedom grow there. Turn to Galatians 5, 26. We want to end at the... Uh, there's no chapters in the original letter, so we're just going from right from five into six. It says, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And we'll stop and talk about that for a minute. Let's not become like this, it says. 
You know, when you decide to follow Christ, he instantly justifies you. He instantly makes you clean and washed 100%. That's what he does. He set you free. But he says, okay, so now that you're free, don't become something else. As a group of people, you know, in church, don't become jealous. What's jealous? Jealous is like, they're better than me. You know, and so you feel like, oh, I feel down here because they're so much better than me. He says, um, don't become conceited. Don't be the opposite and think, oh, I'm better than all of them, you know. Sheesh, have you seen the people that hang out at Kingsway? Gosh, man, it's like sketchy at best. You know, it says don't be like that. And the last one I love is like don't provoke. Don't mutually irritate one another. It's terrible that I thought of people when I read this, and I was, God's dealing with my heart on that, but uh, <laughs> some, sometimes I, I wonder and realize that the gospel just needs to become continually deeper rooted in my life, that I not only love the people that uh, he loves, but I like them too. And that's what the gospel sets me free to do. I can like you in your messiness, and you can like me in mine. That is, is some good, good thoughts. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. It says if any, you know, just look at this because God's set up this thing called community where we are like in each other's lives involved with one another on a regular basis. He says this, if a man or woman is overcome by some sin and and this this is not saying if, if a person is caught in the act where it's like, you know, you're like the flesh police like I had in Bible school. Back in Bible school in first year, you're not allowed to date anybody. But there were some pretty tr- sneaky people who would try, right? So you'd, you'd go out there and you'd see them at Wendy's and you'd like, oh, there's two straws in one cup. They're dating. You know, it's like, Dean, Dean, you know. Well, I know that they, they're dating. It's like, we know. And it's like you want to tell everybody. It's not that thought of, oh, you know, I, I, know, what, I know what so-and-so did last summer. I'm telling Pastor Mark, you know, he's, he got to deal with that. It, it's not that thought of being caught in the act. It's this thought of, hey, do you know anyone who's entangled in sin? where it's just certain they're not fight they've given up the fight against it it's in their life and they're no longer trying to um to to war against it and win against it it's like they're a boat taking on water they're going down you see them drowning he says that's if you see that he says then he says our response should be you who are godly you who are spiritual He's also not saying this, that, oh, that's the pastor, that's the elders, that's the leaders of the church, because we've been talking about that whole thing, that there is no hierarchy. You know, a couple chapters before this, Paul and Peter are having a thing where Paul says straight to Peter, hey, Peter, he becomes the receiving end of it. This is apostle Peter, the guy who wrote books of the Bible. He's on the other side of it where he's saying, hey, Peter, you know, listen, a couple weeks ago, you know, you and I, we were eating pork and beans, and now the Jews come over, and now you stop eating, you're just eating the beans. He's like, this isn't right, you know. He says, you're supposed to be uh, the same person all the time, and he rebukes him to his face. He calls out in his friend and says, listen, something's changing here, and it's not, it's not good. What this doesn't mean is that you notice a, somebody having a bad day. You know, you're out golfing with a guy and he drops the F-bomb, you know, on the 18th green. And you're like, whoa, I never heard that before from him. It's not then that you're like, hey, man, we got to talk about your swearing problem. But, you know, because maybe you never heard about it before. Maybe you never saw that or experienced that before. And, you know, for three weeks after, you go golfing every day and you never hear it again. It's not kind of the problem we're not talking about. We're not talking about this whole thing of nitpicking and, and because that's what becomes judgmental. But it's this thought of being close enough to someone that you see something happening in their life that you reach out to them. And it says this, that the, the, the goal is that you would restore them. Restoration is the goal. That's the ultimate goal. It's not to be like, oh, I see what you're doing, uh, you know, and I'm going to deal with you. It's, uh, it's that thought of restoring them to, uh, to, where they, to where they could and should be. Restoration is an interesting thing. Anybody ever restore old cars or old furniture or whatever it is? You try and take something that used to be great, went to this spot, and bring it back to that spot. 
That's what Jesus did with us, uh, you know, by saving us. But the thing with this is also saying this is only for believers. You can't go restore an unbeliever to better, to better behavior. You can't. It, it just doesn't work. Uh, they've got to have had freedom in their life in the first place. And it says that the gospel now sets you free to be their friend, not a detective. You're not there to just, you know, figure out everything in life. You're there to be their friend and, and help them to, to mutually walk in this relationship with Jesus Christ. So, you know, in those conversations, they're not easy. You know, those, where you notice somebody's going through a, a tough time, you've got to kind of tell them. They're, they're kind of awkward. We don't like, especially in Canada, we don't like doing that at all. We'd rather have a prayer request, you know. Uh, any prayer requests? Yes, uh, there's somebody in here who's been mean to their wife, and uh, I've kind of noticed it, and we'd like to just pray for them. You know who you are. Like, uh, uh, we don't really want to go talk to them, but that's what he's saying, that that's the kind of community he's designed that we can be, and we can go. But he says this, if you're going to go talk to somebody, how do you do it? Number one, he says, uh, make sure that you take a look uh, at your own heart. And he says that you would do it gently, and humbly. Gentle's a relative term though. You know, if there's some people, you can be so gentle with them and you try just to be so nice and they bust out in tears and feel like you hit them with a sledgehammer. And there's others, you hit them with a sledgehammer and they don't get it. It's like they never even heard you say anything. Gentle is a relative term, but the thought of gently and humbly is saying, I looked at myself first. Hey buddy, I realize you're kind of in a spot that's really looking kind of rough. And you know what? If it wasn't for the grace of God in my life, I would be there too. So picturing myself in your shoes I want to reach out to you because I would hope somebody would reach out to me in the same, in the same way. That our motive would be compassion. That that's why we're reaching out to them. Not because we feel better. We feel more mature and more spiritual. It's just that simple thing. If you find yourself on this end, you know, where you're on the receiving end of it, and, and somebody is coming and speaking to you, let me give you a couple quick things that can help you. Because it's going to happen. You know, well, the, the number one thing we love to do, and I challenge you not to do this, is don't go find other people who are going to disagree with that person. You know, for instance, I'm here and somebody say, hey, Mark, you know, uh, you, uh, we just kind of noticed you've been treating Beth really badly lately. You haven't been like the husband that would model Jesus and the church. We just kind of see this, and we'd like, you know, we wanted to just to see how you're doing. Are you guys okay? And you're like, what? What do you think? No, that's crazy. You know what? Okay, fine, fine. Hey, hey, John, hey, listen. You know, Joe over there, he thinks that uh, Beth and I, were not doing too good. Do I look like a jerk of a husband? Oh, no. No, I didn't think so. I knew that. Hey, Derek, you know, this guy thinks that I'm a jerk of a husband. Do you think like that? Do you think? No, no. He, I knew it. You know, he's probably just jealous of my relationship. Hey, Beth, get back in the kitchen, you know, and, uh, and, go, and go on with my life. The thing, it's not good for me if somebody's going there for my good to just get all other people on my side because, you know what, the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17 that as iron sharpens iron, so a man or a friend sharpens a friend. It's friends who do this kind of stuff. Being a friend that says, hey, listen, I'm reaching out to you as a friend. That's why we're in this. I'm, I, we're in this together. But it says iron sharpens iron, and when iron hits iron, there's sparks. So don't imagine that it's always just going to go real smooth. It might not, but it's for your good. It's for your good when somebody speaks into your, into your life in those kind of ways. And to realize that. The other thought is don't look at their faults and say, you know, oh, okay. She says, hey, Mark, you know, I realize you and Beth, you know, it doesn't look good. And like, so you think you're perfect, huh? Oh, it's not about that, you know. Uh, if they didn't say they're perfect, and believe me, they're not, you could look at their life and you find something right away what's wrong with them. But that doesn't negate the fact that God might be trying to talk to you through them. So, so don't feel like, oh, because they, they have it less together than you, that God's not trying to do something in your life through community, through gospel-centered community. 
You know, some people time, sometimes think, oh, you know, if the pastor came and talked to me, yeah, I can receive that. Or if it's a real spiritual brother from the church, yeah, I could receive it from then. But I promise you, God will sometimes send morons to talk to you. You're going you're gonna to be like, what? Seriously, this guy is telling me this? Come on, man. You're like, you barely at church. You're like, you drink like a fish. You swear like a sailor. You smoke like a chimney. You're like, everything you can think of, you're like, oh, man. And he's telling me I got problems with my marriage. And you know what? I'll just tell you a story in the Old Testament. There's a guy named Balaam who had a donkey talk to him. So if you've got a few donkeys in your life, God might be speaking through them to you. Sounds funny until it happens. Just saying. Galatians 6, 2. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. I love this. You know, the gospel sets you free to bear each other's burdens, to help them. When you realize that you see a brother in trouble, say, listen, I can walk with you through this. The thing about burdens is that they're difficult to carry. And as a, as a, as a gospel-centered community, as somebody who's free, you can say, listen, you know, I, I, I want to walk through this with you. The thing is, burdens could be anything. Sometimes burdens are real easy. It's one phone call, and it's like, hey, man, you know what? I see you're kind of going through this. Let me help you out with that. And it's like you pay a $50, you know, electrical bill, or $250 probably now. So uh, uh, $250 electrical bill, now they're, they're good, and you've just helped bear their burden. But some of them take a long time. Sometimes they go on and on and on and on. It's like the same phone call every time. You're like, come on, bro, I told you. You know, like, you're his kid. You don't have to be stuck in that anymore. You're already free. And, and they're, it's like, oh, man. But you walk through it with them. What are burdens? It could be financial. It could be a single mom who's just, you know, having issues. It could be a parenting burden. Just burdens. Burdens that burden. That, that's what burdens are. So if it's burdening somebody, you have the chance to help them walk through it. And they'll love it because by doing this, you fulfill the law of Christ. You're doing what you would try to do just by, by reaching out to one another. It's why we want to grow small is so that you're in each other's lives enough to know when there is burdens going on in, uh, in their lives and be able to see it. You know, most churches aren't like that. Most churches, people feel like, a, you know, they're, they're a, a single person lost in the crowd. Uh, you guys do it really well, actually. You know, I'm with the Cafazo family here. You know, there mentions a burden that their kid's having a brain tumor uh, removed. You guys are just step up the game. It's like we're making meals and we're babysitting and we're driving and we're going to visit. And some of you, you made meals and delivered it to their house when they weren't even home. They weren't even going to be home for three days. And they're like, wait, there's food piling up on our front porch. Why? Because Kingsway's bearing one another's burdens. You guys do that well. Galatians 6 verse 3 says this, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. What's he saying? He's basically saying when burdens aren't being uh, lifted and they aren't being carried together, the main reason for that not happening is pride. Simple thought is that, you know, it's hard to notice someone else's burden when all we can think about is they should be noticing my burden. I have burdens. You know, why aren't they helping carry mine? And I know you don't sound like that. You guys are much more uh, nice about it, but... Uh, it's that same thought that in the heart, it's like, man, I, I just want it to be about me. But guess what? The gospel sets you free. That doesn't have to be all about you. It doesn't have to be all about me. Look at the last two verses. We're going to close for the sake of those kids downstairs. I was down there last week with the three to five-year-olds for the longest sermon in history. And I, uh, <laughs> I just don't want to do that. I'm back. I was reaping what I sowed, maybe. Uh, Galatians 6, verse 4. Pay careful attention to your own work. Listen to this real close. Pay careful attention to your own work. 
for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself with anyone else. The New King James says, let each one examine his own work and his reason to boast will be in himself alone. Does that not sound strange to you a little bit? Here we've been talking all this time about it's not about you, it's not about you, it's not about you. Don't boast in you, don't boast in your efforts. Boast in Christ alone and in the gospel. And now he all of a sudden just switches it all up and says, hey, you look at you and then you can boast about you. What is he saying? He's not contradicting everything he just said. He's basically saying by looking at you, you don't have to compare yourself with others. You don't, uh, if you look outside of you for how you're doing with God, you're going to be miserable. The, what he's saying is the gospel is setting you free to be you. There's only one Jesse Strobosser, so be Jesse Strobosser because he's the only one. You're the only one. Be Mark Willard because you're the only Mark Willard the planet's going to see. And the gospel sets you free to be Mark Willard. You don't have to try and be me and I don't have to try and be you. It's probably good for you that you don't try to be me. You wouldn't like it. My, you know, my life is like, if you were trying to be like, to be me, your life would consist of, you know, a, a, a very busy schedule sometimes with little kids, you know, four little kids running around. Your life every day would sound like this. Dad, 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 dad. Yeah? Knock, knock. Oh, who's there? Small mop. Small, no, I'm not doing that one again, you know? And it's like 10 times that day, it's like, oh, you know, uh, going through, through life like that. You don't have to be me. You can just be you. Somebody just got that. That's great. So then it says, then it says this. You don't have to look outside of you to see what God is doing in your life. The problem with us sometimes in spiritual circles is we, can, we compare each other. Uh, we compare what God is doing in us based on somebody else. He sets you free to not have to do that. You know, uh, last night Pete was sharing about his dad. And he's, uh, he's, uh, he's in Germany right now and he's praying over people and they're getting healed and they're actually seeing, you know, they had a vision of a snake coming off someone's back and it just saw that they're heavily involved in witchcraft and they realized that, you know, that a demon was leaving and this guy got healed. Then his uh, grandma got healed uh, 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 of stuff in her legs and she was walking without her crutches. People are getting born again, coming to know Jesus Christ. And you sit here and you look at that and you're like, whoa, you know, like, I must be like a peon in God's, uh, you know, eyes. If, if uh, his dad is like this super Christian, you know, God must be doing nothing in my life. I want to tell you something. You compare yourself with anybody else, you're going to get it wrong, period. Because what happens? You come to Christ and all of a sudden he surrounds you with a whole bunch of those guys. You know, they're all like that. They're baptizing people in their pool every month. You know, they're like winning people to Christ. They're memorizing half the Bible and, and, and then there's you. And you're like... Oh, man, you know, I, I really suck at this whole Christian thing. You know, I'm just not real good at it. You feel awful about yourself. But he sets you free. You don't have to. You don't have to be threatened by that. You know, the whole sim simple thing is you walk with Jesus Christ, and he might do the same thing in you. But if he doesn't, no biggie. It's all good. You're you. The opposite is true, too, though. You get saved, and you're starting to do things. You know, you're walking this life with Jesus, and, and he surrounds, you know, your, your group of friends becomes like this herd of morons. And you're like, you know, now you feel like super spiritual around all of them. You hang out with them because you feel better about yourself. Look how I worship. Two hands all the way up. Whoa, up high. You guys are like this, you know. It, it's that comparison thing. He says, don't. Don't bother. You be free just to be who you are, being in that relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at your own heart and look at the opportunities you've been given. I can literally watch what Jesus is doing in my life based on where I was and where I am now. Can you do the same? Just look at where you were and where you are today and let that be what you boast about. Why? Because the last verse says this, that uh, verse 5 
It says, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. The one version says, we're, we're responsible for our own load. It's not about everyone else's, you know, opportunities. Uh, you think, hey, you know, I thought he said we're all supposed to carry each other's burdens. Burden and load are different things. Burdens are things they need help carrying. Load is the opportunity that God gave you alone. You have opportunities that I will never have. You know, the Bible talks about the story of, of uh, the, the ruler giving talents to, to, to three of his servants. He gave one one, gave one two, and gave one five. He said, go do something with that. When he came back, the one with five turned it into ten. The one with two turned it into four. The one with one didn't do anything with it. He said, well, it wasn't really fair, you know. God, how is the one with one supposed to make ten? He wasn't. He was supposed to make two. God's just coming back to see what you did with what he's given you. Your opportunities are going to be different than mine. You know, when I stand before God, he's not calling me right now to be a light at U.S. Steel. He's not. They won't even let me in the gate. God's not, God's not calling me to be a good mom to your kids, because I wouldn't be. He's calling you. God's not calling all of you to be the equippers and preachers at Kingsway. It's good, because this would be a three-day sermon. Maybe four, if Daryl preaches. <laughs> but you know what? So often we look at everyone else and we forget to do just what he's called us to do. You know, you're called to be you, called to walk in relationship with Jesus Christ and whatever comes out of that, to do that, to be free, just to simply live in that, to live being led by Holy Spirit and in that there is true freedom. You're not gonna be questioned on how my kids were raised. You know, that's the opportunity that Beth and I have. But I would say the same thing to you parents here. You guys are responsible for raising your kids, not the church. Don't look to the church to disciple them and help them find and love Jesus. That's your opportunity. That's your load. That's the thing that God's going to ask of you. Did they grow and know Christ? What is it? It's about living the gospel, believing it and living it. You have your opportunities. I have mine. Would you just commit yourself to say, can I just go be the best me that I can be with Jesus? That I, God, I just commit to walking this life with you, to, to making sure I don't miss out on what the gospel is, that I, that I have Christ in my life. God designed this kind of community to help that happen. That free people would help others to freedom. That whole people would help others to wholeness. And that's simply it, by being friends in his family. A couple questions as we close. Have you been able to spot recently, in the last little while, when one of your brothers has been struggling, one of your sisters is taking on water and being entangled in, in, in sin? Or is it still that you're not free from you? Have you had a chance to lovingly engage and encourage someone because you felt the Holy Spirit putting it on your heart to do? When's the last time that you've noticed or engaged someone in that? Has your identity in Christ changed you? Are you different because of realizing what the gospel is all about, what the good news is all about? Have you had the chance to love God and serve God by loving and serving others? Or did this text maybe expose in you some of the areas where the gospel just hasn't quite sunk in yet? I know in my life, that's been, the, that's been the story of my life this year. As I study this, I keep realizing where, as it just keeps getting uh, deeper and deeper in my heart, it keeps bringing out more and more stuff. Holy Spirit keeps showing more and more stuff in my heart, but I just keep putting the gospel, keep putting the good news. I'm his kid. God, I'm, I'm your kid. I want to walk with you. I want to live with you. And out of that, everything else is his story. My offer to you this morning is that you can know Christ. <laughs> you can know Christ. That's why he gave his life. Anything other than that, you're missing it.
you are missing out on what the gospel is really all about. And you can have that this morning simply by believing and just receiving that, saying, I believe, Jesus, that you died for me in my place. I believe that your sacrifice took care of all my shame and sin, that I could know you, so I want in on this deal. I want to know you. He'll take it from there. And for those of you who are believers, followers of Christ, passionate followers, I challenge you and encourage you with this. Keep sowing the gospel in there and and keep walking in the spirit and allow the rest of it just to work itself out. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're dad. (laughs) Thank you that we're your kids. Thank you that you speak to us, to the inner part of us, that you reveal our hearts and that you transform them. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray this this morning that you would give people courage to, uh, to continue to uh, allow their hearts to be illuminated by you and that you would give them uh, the opportunity to, to walk with you, that you would draw on them tomorrow and this afternoon and the next day that they would just be drawn to this life of walking and living with you. God, thank you that uh, we have such a great opportunity for real life. Pray that uh, that would be the change and the light that the world around us needs to see and may they see that in, in, in these amazing people. God, thank you for your love and your joy and your peace uh, to flood their homes as they do this. And uh, God, I pray uh, for those here this morning who are just reaching out to you to, to get to know you for the first time, that uh, you just overwhelm them with your love, forgiveness, and life. Pray that they give them courage to tell somebody that as they uh, begin to walk this journey, they become part of the family, your family. God, for your amazing and uh, wonderful, incredible name.